You're disappointed. About what? You didn't make it to the world's end. No. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is the podcast where we're taking a look at the highs and lows of your favorite Hollywood artists. Each month, we're going to be using Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and worst film in one individual's filmography. Listen along as we try to figure out what went right and what went wrong. My name is Wes Tiso. I'm joined as always by Clay McCormick. Clay, how are you? And welcome to the end of Edgar Wright, which is also the world's end. It's his uh, his world ends film, which is the final of the trilogy of the Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, I don't know if that has an official name, but it is that the end of that trilogy. It's the final one. It is called officially, or I guess unofficially, I don't know. It's called the Cornetto Trilogy. Cornetto Trilogy. All right. Yeah. There it goes. And uh, that's based on the ice cream that shows up in all three movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about, this is the B-roll episode. So we've chosen the world's end to talk about. We talked about uh, baby driver and then Scott Pilgrim as the best and the worst world's end is, uh, it was your choice. Mostly. I had never seen this movie before you'd seen it. Mm -hmm. I am familiar with the first two hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead. I probably haven't seen either in a decade if they've come out at least a decade ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, World's End, this is my first time watching it through. So why did you choose this one, I guess, as our B-roll? Well, I chose this one because it is generally the most maligned of the three of them, um, where I feel like Shaun of the Dead is... I, I, I'm not sure exactly which one people think is the best. I feel like it tends to lean towards Hot Fuzz. Um, but this one ends up just sort of getting a really lukewarm reception from people, and I can't figure well i have a theory about why but um it was almost immediately not received as well and when i saw it i thought it was great and i still think it's great and Mm -hmm. i think it's uh really well written i think it's just as well written as any of the other ones and my theory is that um i think Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz both were fairly uh i don't want to use the word revolutionary but they have aspects to their to them that are very unique and very novel, whether it's filmmaking techniques or storytelling. And I feel like this one is kind of like a mix of the first two, as far as style and story, like they hit some similar story beats and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I think, I think if this one was the first one that came out, I think one of those other two would be the one that people are talking about as, ah, this one doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Just because you think it's already, it's been there, done that by this time. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think that's the case with this one though, because I think it's really smart Mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's, it's unique in its own way. I just think specifically all three of the movies have the Simon Pegg character and the Nick Frost character even though they end up kind of like flipping sides that they're on, they kind of end up hitting very similar story beats at, at towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And it's because they're, they're so good together. Those two guys are fantastic when they're on the screen together. Um, and so I think maybe by the third time, some of those aspects, maybe, yeah, maybe there was a little bit of been there, done that, but I think that stuff for that overshadows how good this movie actually is. Ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other? but ends up being the best night of your life. I did. Our goal that night was simple. 12 pubs, 12 pints. From the first post to the world's end. But that night, 
We never made it. I saw the boys the other day. Uh -huh. We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. Oh, steady on, you alky. This is our chance to finally finish what we started. <laughs> we are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. Good evening, Raimondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. What do you recommend? Beer. Mmm. One tap, watch this. What? What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's not us that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Welcome home, boys. So for people's information on the tom tom tomato meter, <laughs> tomometer, uh, it is, it's at 89% for critics and it's 71% for the audience score. Um, the critical consensus is madcap and heartfelt. Edgar Wright's apocalyptic comedy, The World's End, benefits from the typically hilarious Simon Pegg and Nick Frost with a plethora of supporting players. So I had, I was trying to think about this one um, in terms of the other two movies that we watched for Edgar Wright. And I'm glad we're off Edgar Wright now because he definitely has a a thing going for mm -hmm. him. Uh, and he's not, he's sort of the opposite of Spielberg, who Spielberg's movies are all kind of very different from each other, even if they have a sort of um, common saccharineness to them. Uh, they, they are different kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Edgar Wright is more... He has a kind of thing that he likes to do, and I thought this movie actually suffered from what they like to do, which is really? they like to stylize things, and they like to, like Baby Driver is sort of a, a music video uh, stretched out to a movie kind of length, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, Scott Pilgrim is the comic book stylization. And what I think that happens with this one here is that the style isn't right there from the start. It kind of kicks in about halfway through the movie, a little bit before halfway through the movie, which is the alien reveal. And my problem is I liked the movie before the alien reveal came out. And I didn't mm -hmm. really like it once that the alien reveal came out and they changed everything, even though the alien reveal is like a symbolism of the story. Like it's a... Right. It's them being an artistic take on the alienation of being away from your home. However, I ended, I just was like, after the first half hour of the movie, I was kind of like, I wish I was just watching a solid B comedy that was about five friends getting back together after a long time. Like the, the mm -hmm. alien aspect kind of took me into, I was like, all right, it's like, they're going to start fighting the aliens and then it's running and it's, it's a lot faster pace and it's not, it doesn't really have the same uh, friendship thing that they've based everything else on. So that was really my big problem um, with it. I liked the original story, and once it got a little bit crazy, it lost me a little bit. Mm. Well, as far as the style thing goes, I actually think the style is actually is still there from the beginning. I just think overall, this is probably the most subdued his style has been. Um, because the the one of, one of the things that I found kind of ingenious about it is how 
well it's actually structured and foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. And uh, he sets up all of these things in the first half hour that he then knocks down in the second half of the movie. Uh, he sets most of it up visually. Because, um, like, the uh, the opening flashback ex- exploring the first night that they tried to do that, tried to do the Golden Mile pub crawl. As kids, yeah. Is, is yeah, as kids, is beat for beat what happens again only it happens slightly differently and you know it's a little bit more larger scale right stuff like that where there's a lot of a lot of uh, symmetry to the stuff that they're they're kind of setting up and knocking down and i think a lot of his visual touches when it comes to background stuff and little details are all still there i just think it is subdued until yeah it all kind of jacks up when the aliens show up yeah yeah and i so i i guess i'd I'd focus. I'll I'll, fo- I'll consider the movies to be two halves. So I'll focus on the first half mm-hmm. uh, for the first thing here. Like I really like the I really like the first half where he's sort of getting the band back together and all the different reactions. I thought there was a lot of comedy to get from all of the different uh, characters at at that point. And it it also feels like that is the part of the movie that it actually kind of hits home for me in a lot of ways. Like yeah. well, I'm kind of at the age now where my home friends. You don't really. I don't see my home friends. Uh, maybe once a year or something like that, like the group that I went to high mm-hmm. school with and everything. And it feels like everyone, when you get together, everyone's at a very different point in their life. Everyone's doing different things. You don't really share the same interests at that point. Um, and I, I liked that initial regrouping. The most distracting thing to me about the, the opening half hour is that it feels to me like Simon Pegg is doing a Ricky Gervais impression. And see, I saw you said that on Twitter, and so I was thinking about that when I watched it, and I didn't pick that up at all. You didn't pick that. I, I feel his entire phrasing is David Brent. Um, really? Yeah, just the way he the Weird. way he says everything. You, you yeah, disagree? No, I, yeah, that, that, yeah, that didn't occur to me that at all. Actually, I, uh, I was I was kind of sh- I, I guess it. I, I thought about it maybe in that first scene when they reveal that he's at some sort of therapy group. He had a couple lines where he was sort of you know, doing that thing. But I, I, after that, I, it didn't really come across to me that way. Oh, cause it's always like when he's the character, when someone else will say something, he'll add a little jokey, bad joke spin onto it and then kind of laugh mm-hmm. at his own joke. And it, it reminded me very strongly of Brent. Uh, I think mm, that seems like yeah. something. And I didn't remember Simon Pegg ever doing that in any of the other movies. So it felt like it was more of like a, um, a take <laughs> that he was doing on it, but I really liked the opening. Well, I mean that, 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 way of acting is very much a, def- a deflection. Yes. You know, that's why Simon, yep. that's why uh, David Brent does it. And that's why he, that's why this character does it. So I, I don't know. I think it's, it might, I, maybe it's just because they're both English. Right. And Martin Freeman is in both of them. Yeah. And, yeah. That's that, true. That reminds yes, me yeah. of that. But, and then it, it sets up everything with uh, just, they go to a couple pubs as the, the, the original sort of pl- game plan that they're doing. They're trying to repeat this golden mile thing, which is 12 pubs uh, by the end of the night. And, I, I, I think if you're um, British, it probably hits a little bit closer to home because Britain is always uh, gnashing its teeth whenever um, – I wouldn't say I'm British. My, my father is, and so my grandparents live over there. And when, I go over semi-frequently. Um, and it feels like my entire life that they've been going over there, Britain has been complaining about the loss of what it is to be British. Um, mm-hmm. And it, they pay it off here as the the, pub, the two, first two pubs they go to are identical to each other, which is yes, always something yeah. that the uh, my family and British people over there are complaining about when we go back about the the loss of like pub culture. And this feels, if you want to look at it like thematically, I think that this movie's touching on the alienation of like growing older and losing your friends, and also the 
changing of society, whether or not it's actually changing your perception is changing how like the time is changing what it means to be British. And it's a very British movie in that sense. Yeah. You know, I, I think <clears throat> my biggest problem with it, or I don't know if I'd call it a problem, but I feel like the, the failing of it ultimately story-wise is that um, Gary, Simon Pegg's character doesn't really complete his character arc because you, I I wonder if the reason that the the alien thing kind of comes off in a wrong way or or is unsatisfying is part of this because the whole point of of the story up to that point is that Gary is trying to um relive his quote unquote glory days and cannot deal with the fact that he that things have changed around him and you get to that point when the aliens show up and it turns from Gary can't deal with the fact that things are changing to, oh, it's not us that's wrong. It's the place got the whole place got taken over by aliens. It has nothing to do with the fact that my life is a mess. Right. Um, but they kind of they kind of use that. Uh, they kind of ride those two things parallel to each other for the, as the movie goes, where it's like once that fact comes out, it emboldens Gary. Um, where the other ones are kind of like talking about, well, we need to deal with this and get out of here and save ourselves. Gary is like, no, it's not me. It's the place's aliens. So like, so it it emboldens that character, and he gets a little bit of stuff towards the end where it seems like he's completing his arc, but then ultimately at the end, he's just the same character, except he's he doesn't drink anymore. Yeah, right. Like he he's, he, he ends li- up literally glory days. Yeah, yeah, he ends up literally hanging around with the the younger version of his friends and you know being this wasteland hero he just is he just drink he doesn't drink so i i feel like that might be the 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 structural story downfall is that his very clear line of 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 character arc doesn't totally connect yeah i maybe that's what probably what i find so unsatisfying about it because i would have i would have actually enjoyed a you know where they they took this really interesting idea and they kind of madcapped it and turned it into a sci-fi movie. But all mm-hmm. that does is it doesn't resolve what they're talking about. It just kind of disguises what they're talking about. Right. And so right. I would have like, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like Noah Baumbach, uh, the way that he makes movies or anything, but I, I would have, I wanted like a little bit more of like a, a real like emotional anchor to what was going on because I was interested in that first bit. And as you're saying, they never really resolve that. It kind of, it ends in more of a, it takes the comic route out where uh, they all start getting picked off one by one because of the the previous history, the, the original night that they did it. Martin Freeman wasn't there, so he can't be there in the real second version. And then right. you, he ends up not having to resolve any of his issues. They have a, they have the scene between him and Nick Frost at the very end, but it's played for mm-hmm. comedy. Like they're overly dramatic about what's going on. Like they're crying with each other, and it's not a, it's not a grounded real uh, realization of what's going on. They're playing it for yucks at that point. Are you talking about in the second to last pub when it's when he reveals that he tried to kill himself? Yeah, and they're they're sort of laying on the ground after fighting with each other, and they're sort of, like it's it's the reveals of what's going on to there felt to me like it wasn't really being played seriously like and huh. and everything I, that, I don't know if i that's interesting i don't know if i if i totally was on that same track it felt fairly serious that i mean the set if we're thinking of the same scene uh it's it seemed like the heart was there but 
maybe visually, yeah, they were they weren't exactly playing it a hundred percent straight. Well, it, but it had also plowed through so much sci-fi comedy to that point that it, it numbs yeah, the yeah. like if you if it was a serious movie in the sense not serious, but if it was a comedy like the first half an hour up to that point, I think it would have played better to me. But it, it comes out of it seems to come out of nowhere because the tone changes so drastic. Well, not the tone, but the the like the trappings of the story change so much that it loses mm-hmm. a little bit of something for me at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I can see that. And, and the, uh, I've always found the, the end where uh, they kind of confront the, the, the big floating energy ball to be a little bit weird. It takes way too um, long. I can't believe how it that, takes that too scene long. is probably double the length that it needs to be. I think. Yeah. It takes too long. And the, the ultimate point that they get to at the end Again, is like it's not. It's sort of reaffirming Gary's whole position, because uh, he's like you know, it's the God-given right of America of Americans of uh, Earthlings to, you know, have a good time and get fucked up. He's quoting some movie, I think. Yeah, right. um, but you know, and it's like okay, but you're you spent your whole movie up to this point exploring how this guy is a is an addict who clearly needs help and is hitting rock bottom. But now you're having this big heroic speech where he's talking about it's you know getting fucked up is the is the natural order of things yeah you know yeah and, uh, but I mean I guess you could I guess it depends on how you look at it because you could argue that it's it's actually not that heroic of a speech because they end up destroying the fucking world <laughs> <laughs> right so it's saying that that attitude will co- uh, create a great downfall and the only people happy and it would be the ones who are broken in the first place although everyone's yeah, everyone yeah. seems to be happy at the end of it uh, everyone comes out on top except for nick frost who um seems happy but i don't really understand why that character would be happy yeah yeah i yeah that's i uh, that's that's such a tough ending though because like if you ended it with everybody gets killed except Simon Pegg, who is now like the king of the wasteland or something, it's like that's man, that is a downer. Yes, yep. You are really making a statement there. So yeah, I think I I would say yeah. I I think thematically, I think it does get a bit muddled in the second half. I would definitely not disagree with that. But you um, you seem but, to you really enjoy the side you, you you seem to enjoy the second half of the movie or the the alien aspect a little bit better than I do. Um, I do. Yeah. Is that any? Is that just the the way that it's done, or the like the idea of what's going on, or is it um, anything else doing it for you? I would say it's. I would say it's both. I think. I think the way they do it is really is really fun and really smart and really well executed. And I think all the action scenes they have are great. And I I'm a big I'm I'm a big fan of inverting stuff when it's when it's unexpected and i don't think if i remember correctly they didn't put any of the sci-fi stuff in any of the trailers for this movie mm-hmm. um i went, so in, I went in blind the, and did not realize that that's how the movie yeah. was, came as a total surprise so when you have that when you have that turn on a dime i am always l- totally on board with that stuff like uh from dust till dawn i know a lot of people that don't like that movie because it turns into a vampire movie halfway through mm-hmm. i fucking love it yep like, like I, the, the big argument I always hear against that movie is, oh, the first half is a really good Quentin Tarantino movie, and then the vampires show up, and it's like, yeah, but then the vampires show up, and it gets awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I think there's ways you can do that where sometimes it feels really hacky, but if you're if you're kind of if you've got a strong enough base going into it, I feel like that stuff is that can be a lot of fun and and really uh, add to the experience of the movie and make things a little bit more unexpected. I mean, I don't think. I don't think going into that movie you expected like 
Martin Freeman to get replaced by a robot, then have his face smashed off halfway through. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's I, I see what you're saying about the first half being maybe a more interesting movie. And maybe you're right. But I feel like this, the change that they make halfway through, for me anyway, I find just as interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really like the I like the action sequences. Uh, has a very Scott Pilgrimy vibe to the the action there. It's sort of like sped up um, hand to hand combat type stuff where they're smashing the androids mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I did like all that stuff. I liked the sort of ongoing um, relationship stuff that that doesn't really amount to anything, but it's like the the, the battling for that girl's um, affections type thing. I thought that that was really mm-hmm. kind of cute in the background. Uh, I like. I think Nick Frost actually does a better job than Simon Pegg as an actor, just not just because of the Gervais thing that I think Simon Pegg was doing, but I think that Frost uh, plays a different character than he has in the previous movies. This time, maybe Hot Fuzz, I'm wrong. Is he a, he's the stickler in Hot Fuzz? Is that the way it works? Uh, Simon Pegg is the stickler in Hot Fuzz. Okay, so yeah, yeah the, the, the way that uh, Nick Frost opens his character here felt like it was a change of pace for me, for the actor anyway, for my like yeah, definitely. hazy memory of it. And yeah, because he's sort of he sort he sort of plays the same character in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Okay. They're both kind of like you know, uh, gregarious bums. goofball is how yeah. I think of them. Yeah, yeah, gregarious goofball is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, and he's different here, and I think it, it works out really well. And I do like the, um, you know, it's 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 like simple or obvious stuff, but I think it works well. The name of the pubs line up with things that yep. are going on, and the. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it lines up with their past history works and a lot of stuff like that. I would have, I would have almost preferred more leaning into that kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like once the alien stuff comes in, I feel like there was a lot more chance to uh, reminisce on the past stuff that they were like the first time that they went through this pub crawl. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they don't really get into that at that point. It's a lot more, um, sort of yucking about the aliens and Pierce Brosnan shows up. I do like Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) He might be one of my favorite uh, aspects of it, but it's just kind of um, relies on a lot of like guest actors. The guy who plays the game of Thrones, um, Mm -hmm. that, that guy that they kill in game of Thrones. So he he does a pretty good job in this and everything, but yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't have too much to say about the second half really. Um, if, if you have anything that you want to go off of that, off of it at that point or anything you change or anything like that, let me know. Well, you know, I think part of why the second half works for me is that once the action starts, I think the characters remain fairly consistent. And, wh- you know, whether or not they they end up hitting the right mark is not what I'm talking about. But just like the, the characterization and what they're kind of all after f- – remains fairly consistent and the characters actually drive the action. So you've got these action beats where they're having fights and and stuff and they don't feel like they are just throwaway fight scenes. Like, you know, Gary, you've got Gary who is still constantly trying to complete his pub crawl, which is adds for uh, some really great beats in the fight scenes where he's constantly trying to get a drink and they keep, you know, kick him in the face and stuff. That's probably my favorite. Uh, He has one extended scene of that where he keeps almost spilling his beer as they're attacking him. I think it works really. It's very funny. Yeah. And, and they keep their, their, their story is driving their action, which I is, I think really makes that stuff come alive in, in ways that you see these uh, like bigger tentpole movies where they just, it's like, 
clearly in the script, it's like, here's where we have the action scene. And it's just a scene for the sake of having a scene. Um, Why? Although I'll I'll interrupt you there. What is the, I think I know, but I'll look for your opinion. What is the rationale for continuing with the pub crawl? um, I assumed it was, I assumed for him, for Gary, it was, it was just achieving the goal that he wanted. And that once he finds out that the problem is not him, it's the town. It's like a point of, a point of, a point of pride to finish what he started kind of thing. Okay. Is there any aspect of, it's all denial too. Like it's, it's all, it's all a big denial of, 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 of everything in his life. Of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, do they, I can't remember if they make mention of, do they think that they're doing this to not attract attention to themselves? Like I, yes. Okay. Up to so, a certain point. Like, after once the aliens show up, their their thing is like, well, we need to just go about, at least I think it's Gary's plan, is that they just finish what they're doing, don't bring any attention to themselves, and they just continue on to, uh, you know, as as planned. But then as things get more and more hectic, it becomes, he's he, he's literally running away from his issues, you know? he's yes, There's yeah. certain instances where he's, literally running away from this imploding town so he can get a drink at the next place. Yeah. It's, it's funny that I, it's funny that I have such a problem with it because like, I do understand the symbolism of the movie and what is Mm -hmm. working. And I do think that it's pretty cute. I, I honestly think what the problem is, is that midpoint switch where I want that. I would want that to be more solid from the start. Almost like, I don't know if you need the alien reveal, but like if I'm remembering Shaun of the Dead a little bit better, they hint at the zombies much better in that movie. Like he goes through the opening act with the zombies in the background, kind of, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and he he is unaware of what's going on. And I feel this movie doesn't do that, where Shaun of the Dead allowed like the universe to be set up and show you what the whole movie is going to be about, even if the main characters aren't aware of it. This one has such a jarring shift in the middle of it that it left me a little bit... It, it left me thinking like the symbolism is almost too heavy handed because they've already explained what the problem is, you know, mm-hmm. like they've already mm-hmm. laid out what the symbolism symbolism represents and then they turn everything into that symbolism. And it, it felt a little bit odd. I would have just appreciated pushing it forward and maybe I would have liked it more at that point, even though I don't think there's anything technically wrong with what, the, with what they did, which is the weird part of it. Yeah. I guess it's just personal preference. You know, yeah. I, I think uh, going back and watching it again, excuse me, there are little bits that they actually do early on that imply that this network of aliens or whatever is branching out. Uh, like I, I was watching the, um, there's one shot that I, I, I really thought was funny uh, when he pulls up in his shitbox gas guzzler car and yep. he parks directly, he ends up parking directly in front of an ad for a uh, an electric car. Okay. And that's, you know, that's, that's a nice little little joke or whatever, but I, uh, I was listening to a bit of the commentary and, and Edgar Wright was, was pointing out that when they get to the town, every, the only car in the town is that electric car. Oh, the electric and, car. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, there's, there's these small bits of, of things that are branching out and what they, they were, ta- I was watching the, uh, him and Simon Pegg talking about their writing process. And one of the things they cut out was that originally they were going to have Japan and Germany, already have been completely taken over because they're such efficient countries. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, it's it's like, yeah, it's not, I, I, I wouldn't say it's not there at all. I, I, it is very much a hard shift, but I do think they they do lay, lay the groundwork to get to that point. Yeah. Um, 
maybe yeah it's definitely not as uh prevalent as it is in Shaun of the Dead but I I don't know I kind of I I appreciate it cuz I feel like I I I feel I feel like the symbolism would have been more heavy-handed if they had laid that stuff out a lot more because I yeah, think there's a, yeah. for me anyway I think there's a certain point where the action gets so jacked up that you're kind of more involved in the action and the sci-fi element of it that you're, you kind of stop thinking about the literal, or I should say the metaphor of it all. Yes. Um, so I guess, it, yeah, I guess it's a per- personal preference. Yeah, that's, I mean, th- th- maybe it's just too subtle for me in the beginning and I was missing mm-hmm. everything that they're doing. It's a, w- which would make more sense because I do feel that they have a solid understanding of what they're trying to say the entire time. I guess it really just comes down to the, whether or not I wanted the cleverness of them noticing that everything was changing and whether you could, you could probably say if they thought it was a uh, Ger- Germany and Japan, you can make the argument that they, they consider it to be like the Americanization of the the countries mm-hmm. um, where it's turning into more of like, you know, I was, I was driving through the state uh, driving through going to Worcester yesterday and it is it is like the you know it's what people always say what has happened to America it's like you you drive through these towns and they're all kind of identical because it's all the same chains that have been yeah. set up in each of mm-hmm. them um and that's their bar joke at the beginning here uh where the two pubs are exactly the same thing but i think well, that what's they, funny sorry i was just going to say what's funny is they continue even though the the part the bubs sorry the pubs the bubs start changing and <laughs> become Wolverine less hour with Clay. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, they become less identical. All of them have the exact same signs inside them. Like all of those chalk signs are the same signs in every single one of them. Yeah. That's so kind of a little bit of a running. They're like that faux yeah. handwritten chalk signs are like yeah, in, yeah. in every single pub. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's that it, and I would like, I would like that. I, I think we've really hit on the the difference there where, I like and I understand what they're doing with the theme or what, like the angle that they're taking with the material here. I I was expecting a more introspective look than a sort of raging against the world that the movie ends up being. Like the mm-hmm. the movie the movie has the point of view that this is the world's fault and it's not the character's fault as you were saying and I think I just I wanted a little bit more of like an introspection because to me it's more interesting at this point at the point that I am in my life as to like how friendships sort of change over time. I yeah, think that's more yeah. interesting. And what they ended up doing, it feels more like it's a, this is funny because it's the same thing we talked in Scott Pilgrim. It feels to me like it's a more of a younger point of view where you're like, yeah. it's not me that's changed. It's the world that's changed and I'm going to blame the world about it. And Scott Pilgrim felt that way. That wasn't Edgar Wright writing that or anything, but um, it's funny that they it's, have the same kind of outlook. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up too, because I, as I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, man, Gary feels like a grown-up Scott Pilgrim kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Scott yep. Pilgrim isn't as big of an asshole as Gary was, but it's like it seems like he's a character from that, like you're saying, from that mindset, who's just fast-forwarded up to his forties. I would, I would argue, I find Gary more likable than Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Actually. me too, by, yeah. by a lot. Yeah. I'd rather hang out with that. I'd be careful where my wallet was at all times, but I, I think I'd rather hang out with Gary. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting looking back at, at the three of these movies. Um, I mean, specifically the Cornetto movies, uh, even though we didn't talk about the other two. Um, the, the theme 
in all of them, which honestly, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think about this. I haven't thought about this before, but as soon as I started watching this, one, I was like, oh, geez, these are all kind of like variations on a theme, really. And that theme being, uh, there's a problem in your town and there's an alienation aspect coming from the town that you live in, whether it's a new town, whether it's the town that you've been living in for most of your life, or if it's a town you're going back to. So it's, it's, it's interesting to look at, look at the three of them as a piece and see how they do all kind of tackle sim- the similar kind of uh, environment and similar subject, but from uh, three different angles. Yeah, three different genre approaches, basically. Yeah. It's, it, and, then it's and, and, and also, yeah. and also the, the approaches, too, to the town. Because you've got yes. Shaun of the Dead, where it's, he's not in a new town. It's the town he's always been in and has never left. Yep. In Hot Fuzz, it's, the ta- it's t- Simon Pegg coming into a town that he's very alienated from because it's new. It's very different. And then this one, it's a town that he used to live in that he's now coming back to, which is now different and has alienated him. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's 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 kind of nice to see the uh, the uh, the exploration of those of those ideas across well, the you, three movies. You could say that probably mimics Peg and Wright's experiences. Right, Shaun of the Dead would be first because they're used to the town that they grew up. Then it's moving mm-hmm. to a new town, which would be like Hollywood or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's returning home after you're successful. Is the world's yeah. end's point of view. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... Um, I, I, I don't feel like I need to really talk about the style or anything. I, I like it. I like the way it's shot. I like the alien light effect of their eyes and everything like that. I find mm-hmm. that pretty creepy. I actually find the the shots of the aliens or the robots um, standing in the background as they're going between the bars to be really creepy um, mm-hmm. and effective. They could have done more with that. I don't think they had to. But outside of that, I thought... The cast are all really good. Um, I like yeah. everyone except for uh, the guy who plays the car dealer. Seems a little bit too old for the rest of them. <laughs> but he does. That, yeah, he that, seems that, a little bit a little bit older. Yeah, he, he seems like he's fifteen years older than the rest. He's of them. He's great though. I love that character. He's so much fun. He is good, and the, the <laughs> I like the the opening scene where him and Gary sort of uh, see each other, and his father comes over and is obviously very disappointed. I, I liked his re- uh, reaction to Gary. I thought that those yeah. were good. So. Speaking of the style, I I said earlier that I think that the style is is a lot more subdued generally, and I think maybe coming off of of Scott Pilgrim and and Baby Driver, I feel like that's a much more apparent because here like here I feel like his style is actually driving to something like it's it's part of the story. He's actually using it as a filmmaking tool to tell the story. Yes. Whereas in, I mean, you could argue about Scott Pilgrim, whether or not that's the case. Uh, I guess he is using it to tell a story, but it's just so overbearing. And in Baby Driver, I felt it, it was just felt like style for style's sake. Yes. And so I, I personally prefer him when he's got this sort of uh, movie that he's working with where his style serves the narrative instead of just being like a big uh, framing device for the narrative. Yeah. I, if you had to rewatch any of these three movies, this would be the one that you'd rewatch. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm probably baby driver. Really? Um, I had, I, I had, I had probably had more fun watching this one than I did baby driver. Mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel on a technical level, Baby Driver is what it wants to be the whole way through. And even if I don't like that, I think it's like his directorial accomplishment is to make the the tone so pure throughout Mm -hmm. it. 
this one's a little bit wobbly for me. Um, but that, it's it's all obviously personal preference. I, I will say that I thought this one, this is the most fun out of all of the movies that we watched. Yeah. And I think that I, like, I enjoyed it on a script level. It didn't have the sort of too cool for school vibe and humor of Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe even um, Baby Driver is too cool for school in some ways. But th- this one felt, and it's probably the peg influence as a co-writer, but it, it felt more, um, not Apitalian, but it felt more like it had a sort of like point of view with this comedy that was its own kind of thing. Well, part part of what I've you know I said on the on the last covering the last two movies was that I felt like Simon Pegg was kind of his secret weapon because, and I think what Simon Pegg brings to it is I think he allows for better stories. I think he's a pretty good writer, um, but I also think he brings the heart to these stories because I don't find I find this movie has much more heart and character than Baby Driver or uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, those both of those movies are just like very cold to me, and the attempts at heart and character I don't find they're very successful. Whereas this one, I believe I I believe the characters, and when they get to the points where they're having these you know fairly dramatic interactions, I believe what's going on. Um, you know whether or not it's it, it totally consistent or or uh, the arc is totally completed. I still find that there is more heart in the characters for this movie than the other two. Yes. Um, yeah. That's kind of, that's, that's, that's what makes me, that's what would lead me to rewatch it. This one more than the other ones is because as, as much as I enjoy the trappings of it, I think the interactions with the characters are fantastic. I think they all work really well together and they're all funny and they're all having a good time and the, and the characters work. Whereas, like, I can't think back of any scene from Baby Driver where I'm like, man, I really love that scene where Jamie Foxx calls him gay or something. You know, like, like I, I, like, even okay, let's let's look at the scenes that are supposed to have heart. I can't think back to a scene from Baby Driver involving him and the girl where I go, man, I love that scene. I'd love to watch that again. Yes, yeah, you know, or oh, I found that 100 percent believable. Yeah, it's um. That's true. And I, I think we mentioned that during Baby Driver is that Baby Driver is so stylized that it doesn't have room for characters, really. It's yeah. very much like a drive movie at that point, the Ryan Gosling thing. Um, yeah. And this is different. I just, I, I really have a hard time. I'm just repeating myself over and over again. Mm. I really have a hard time with the, I, maybe it sounds harsh, but I, I feel like the symbolism at the end of this one is just slapped on, really. Like it, yeah. it feels like they're just like, well, we have to do something big. We we have this sort of, not gimmick, that's harsh, but we have this sort of theme going with our movies where we sort of take a genre piece and like slap it onto something else that's going on. Mm-hmm. And this one feels the most unnatural out of all of their previous ones where the other ones felt designed around it. This one feels like it's it's really kind of a, a jarring change. Like my, I was watching it with my uh, wife who fell asleep before the androids were revealed. Yeah. <laughs> and she woke up and she's like, she's, she's like, how did it end? And it, it's annoying to me because it's like, well, you didn't see a whole, you missed a whole hour and a half of the movie, right, but I'll tell right. you. But I told her that there were alien androids and she could not believe it. Like she could not believe that that's where the movie went. And it was that it's that kind of a change. It's very jarring yeah. if you're on, uh, not expecting it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a personal thing. Uh, no. So here's a question. Do you have a problem 
with movies. This is sort of this is not necessarily limited to Edgar Wright, but this is something that I've been I've been kind of thinking about off and on. Do you have a problem with movies that sacrifice story for their flashiness? So, what I, there, I've seen, I've come across a lot of movies. I guess Baby Driver would be one. Uh, I would call Avatar another one. And most recently, there's a movie that just came out called Mandy with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the that horror I would movie. also put. Yeah, that I would also put in this this frame of movies that are visually very engaging and very, um, for lack of a better term, revolutionary. But when you actually look at what they're putting the, these elements onto, it's really not that impressive. Yeah. Is for you? Is there a line where? It could be the most impressive thing you've ever seen, but if there's not a story behind it, then it's not really hitting the marks. Well, it's funny. I was, um, I've been thinking about this, and uh, I listened to. Uh, we've had Darren on the Star Trek podcast. He does his mm-hmm. own podcast called the Two Fifty, and they look at like the top uh, two hundred and fifty movies of all time mm-hmm. on IMDb. Is this anyway, oh, so this is like the Dark Knight eight times. Right, exactly. And, it's every Christopher uh, Nolan movie, and yeah. then the, the, the extended version of those movies. Yeah, um, I would like to listen to a podcast that examines the um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The demographic of people who voted that that list into existence. Yes, yes. it's obviously a white male, twenty five mm-hmm. to thirty five or something. Yeah, um, but I. What I, I was just trying to think about like what I would consider to be great. Like if I had to make my own personal two hundred and fifty uh, list. Like, what movies would I put on there? Mm -hmm. And as I'm going along, I think when I was younger, I appreciated innovative uh, visual stuff more. Now, a big part of my thing is, would I rewatch this movie? And a lot of movies that people say are really great movies, you watch them once and you're so drained by the end of it, they're like, Jesus, like, I... I would never watch this movie again. Like it's a really like a hardcore, hard hitting relationship drama between two addicts. And yes, it's very realistic. And yes, it's intense. Hey man, and it's all this stuff. I've bought I've bought Kramer versus Kramer like fifteen <laughs> times on different platforms. Okay, but I feel like if I were to make a list of the greatest movies for me, I would probably rewatch all of them. And I think that that's a really mm-hmm. And I think you don't get that, to tie it back into your thing, you don't get that in movies that are purely visual or aesthetic or, like, stylized way. Like, there has to mm-hmm. be there has to be a core. And so, to, to take my own advice there, if one of these movies had, that we watched, Baby Driver, this one, or the other one, had to be included on that list, this, to me, would probably... Even though I said I'd rewatch Baby Driver, it's more out of like interest. I feel like this one long term would probably hold up for me better if I had to watch this five times over than the other ones. Yeah. Would. So yeah. I, I I I would change what I said about Baby Driver. I would want to watch Baby Driver again to see the technical stuff again, but it probably I wouldn't watch it after that again. This one I could see like if you really enjoyed this movie, I could see an audience for this one watching this every once in a while. Yeah. You know, I find that's that's rewatchability is interesting too to me because I have found that I find uh, rewatchability to be a much fewer and far between than I used to, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's a matter of accessibility being much more than it used to be. So and nostalgia the, ties into it too, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, probably. I'm, but I, I mean, even I remember going to the movies 
10 years ago and I would see something two or three times in the theater. And now even movies that I really love, I'm kind of hard pressed to go see again or even buy. What was the last movie uh, you saw multiple times in the theater? I know what mine is last, actually. The last movie that I saw multiple times in the theater. Mine was a long oh, time ago. Um, I'll let you think while I say mine, but mine yeah. is a uh, memento. Nolan's memento. Oh wow. Yeah. That's we, way I, back. I watched that probably five times in the theater. Um, yeah. We just love, I it, know the one that stands out to me. I saw Miami vice twice in the theater on the same day. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I think Dark Knight I saw twice. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, I, most of them I feel like were probably uh superhero movies of some sort. I know I saw There Will Be Blood twice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I can't anything like if you had to if I had to pick something from the last five years, I don't think I can name one. Yeah. Yep. And even and even like you know wider than that, I can't think. I I don't really buy movies the way I used to, and it's not because I don't want to, but it's just because I I can't really. There aren't a ton of movies that have come out that have, that I've really wanted to own. Yeah, anymore. To you know? Yeah, yep. yeah. The most recent one I can I actually Infinity War. I wanted to see more than once in the theater, but I couldn't because, you know, I'm an adult and I have adult <laughs> things to do. But like that was that's one where I would absolutely own Infinity War. And I actually just bought Spider-Man Homecoming because I was like, I would really like to own that movie, I think. So, you know, it, yeah. it, it comes in different waves. It's it's really it's really interesting to, to look at. Yeah. And I, I think that's the that's the big difference where now I would. I'm not too, I'm intrigued by visual stuff and sort of like new mm-hmm. novel takes on it and things like that. But at, at the end of the day, if I, if there isn't either like a character or story backbone to it, it's a tough to yeah. try to go back and really do it. I th- and I think that in terms of what the Marvel universe did, I, I would say that their special effects actually aren't the draw of the movies because right. yeah. it's really just the characters <clears throat> in the universe that they built up because someone yeah. on Twitter brought up a good point. Name the best marvel fight sequence and it's like they're all kind mm. of the same like none of them really I, stick out to, maybe the captain america elevator fight scene on a technical i was gonna level. say either the elevator fight scene or the opening fight scene from winter soldier winter soldier has some fucking awesome fight scenes in it okay yeah i i, I remember the elevator one most but even you know for how many movies they've done they don't have they don't have a huge list of like, oh, remember that that scene or that stuff. They all kind of are similar, but the movies aren't really about that. They're built on the the, the tone that those characters have with yeah. each other at this point. You know, that's a that's an interesting example too, because I I've those movies have kind of grown on me in a weird way over the years, and I've I've liked most of them. Yeah, I don't think I've seen one that I didn't I just straight up didn't like. They're they're all you know at least good, um, but. I, there's some of them have just really stuck out to me more than since I've been thinking about them after the fact, like yeah. I saw, I think Captain America, the first Captain America was the first one that I kind of didn't really like that much. Um, and winter soldier I thought was great, but then I kind of, you know, just kind of didn't really think about it, but every now and every now and then I'm like, man, winter soldier is so good. Like it, the, the, the world that they've set up in the characters have stuck with me more than the movies themselves have. Like I, I now love that first Captain America movie specifically because of the first like hour of it. The second hour, I don't really care about, but the way that they set up the character of Captain America is fantastic. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, it's really interesting the way that they've managed to create, they've, they've, they've created a world of characters more than they have created a world of, you know, movie, uh, action spectacle. Yeah. No, that's, they've, they've built a brand as opposed to individual movies at this point, which is kind of the way forward, I think for the movie theaters or the way that they sell their big budget stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it. Since we're, we've moved on to Marvel, I guess we're done with the world's end. But um, I like <laughs> this movie. And interestingly enough, Edgar Wright was supposed to do Ant-Man. Oh, but, uh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he ended up leaving the project because of creative differences or whatever. And I, I don't know what that means, but I assume it means that he wanted to do a really wacky movie. And they were like, how about you do a Marvel movie? Yes. But with like a little bit of touches from you in it. Yes. I, yeah. You know, it would be interesting to see if they m- could get him back into the fold now, because I feel like now they're a lot more open to directors, like, kind of putting their own stamp on things. Like, I don't think you would get Thor Ragnarok five or, s- <laughs> like, ten years ago, yeah, when yeah. they were first starting all this stuff, you know? Well, how, or so final question for you, which which Marvel character gets Edgar Wright? Uh, if not Ant-Man? Mm-hmm. Um if Ant- well, if you, you can think that Ant Man is the best fit, if you do think it is, then you could say Ant Man. But I'm just wondering who you think would be the best fit for Edgar Wright's style. I think he would make a great Spider Man movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were going to give him a new one, I don't know. I feel like something a little bit off the beaten path, like West Coast Avengers or something weird like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, I, <laughs> I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. It's it's interesting. It, it would be a sort of like. Ant-Man works because of like, he's like a, you know, B tier, maybe even C tier hero that you can kind of get goofy with. Yeah. I, you know, I bet he would make a really interesting Moon Knight movie Mm -hmm. because Moon Knight is sort of Batman-y. He's, you know, very, you know, nighttime sitting on top of gargoyles and shit, but he's also insane. Like he has multiple personality disorder. Yeah. So he's got a, a lot of different things going on. I bet an Edgar Wright Moon Knight movie would be amazing. Hmm. Well, we'll call it a day there. I think we're done with World's End. Uh, we're done with Edgar Wright, which felt like it took a long time, but we got through it. Uh, this was a good movie. I enjoyed watching it. I would recommend other people watch it. This is, um, I'd probably recommend this one over the other ones. I would recommend Baby Driver, I think, too. But uh, yeah. It, it, there's nothing wrong with Edgar Wright. It's, it's what we said, I think, from the start, is that he's probably not my director for me. Like, it's yeah. just if I were to settle down and watch a movie, I don't know if Edgar Wright would be my choice of director. But nothing wrong with him. Uh, obviously, very visually and aesthetically uh, competent and capable. Uh, it's just sometimes I feel like the movies are a little bit too much flash in the pan and not enough so, uh, the heart. Last question about him, then. Mm-hmm. World's End was, I want to say, 2011. 13. 13? Okay, so it's not as far back as I thought it was. So, And Baby Driver was like 2016? Yes, I think so. Or 17, maybe. Okay, well, regardless, do you feel... So he's the kind of director who I think we talked about it with Baby Driver, where it's like if I saw Baby Driver when I was in college, in like 1999, and I was in ninth grade then, but you know what I mean. Yep. Like if, if that movie came out and I was in college in 1999 and Baby Driver came out, it would be... I'd have posters on my wall and cut my college dorm room and all, you know, all that kind of Soundtrack shit. Soundtrack would, be, would like, be on your iPod. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and I feel like the analog to that is something like Fight Club, right? Where if you look at David Fincher, his his style has really matured over the years. He still makes great movies, but he's, his style has clearly matured. Yeah. Do you feel like Edgar Wright's style has matured at all? No. Yeah. Um. 
I feel he's gotten better at what he likes to do, which would mm-hmm. be the way of things if you get the chance to repeatedly do over and over. But I, I wonder if Fincher, if I would say even Fincher has matured that much. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I think. Well, no, we don't have to get into a discussion about David Fincher, but like, I think if you look at something like Social Network and compare that to like Seven or Fight Club, I feel like he's after different things now. You know? Yeah, that's true. Although the Social Network depends so much on Sorkin's script that it's hard to true. Or like you know, Zodiac. Like Zod- I feel like you could compare Zodiac and like Seven. Yes. And see and look at the different things he's after and, and the different ways he's telling his story now. Yeah. Yes. If you phrase Zodiac against Seven, I see a definite maturity there. Um, I, Edgar Wright, I feel, is more consistent there and not yeah. consistent in a good way or even a bad way, really. But I feel, I feel like his the way everything looks in his movies is kind of the same all the way through. Yeah. My worry is that Edgar Wright is going to turn into Guy Ritchie. Mm, that, that's, where yeah, yeah. he doesn't really know what to do outside of that thing that he does. And that thing that he does is now kind of passe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. We're, we're, we're running over time. But if you want to see, like, the complete implosion of the Guy Ritchie thing, watch that fucking King Arthur movie made. he made. <laughs> oh, my God. There are, there are three different scenes where they do that thing where a bunch of guys stand around a table and talk about what they're going to do while they're yeah. cutting in the scenes about them doing it in the future. Oh my, it's unbelievable. It's so bad. He's got a type. He's got a type. Yeah, well, we're done with Edgar Wright. We'll get to Guy Ritchie at some point in the future, but we have to get a female <laughs> uh actress as they are female actresses. We have to get them uh involved in the show. We haven't done a a, a woman uh either actor or director to this point. So we'll be mm-hmm. doing that next. We'll come up with a list of 3. The patrons who support us on patreon.com slash file will chime in with their vote, and we'll pick one of those three that we'll be doing next. So it'll be a um, an actress will be our next topic of discussion. But Edgar Wright is done. And uh, thank you guys very much for listening and supporting the show. You can check out the Facebook and Twitter. There'll be a link, patreon.com slash file if you want to support the show. As always, we get a shout-out to our Captain Tier supporters, or Stephen Cobb, Eric Johnson, Jay Stanley, David K, Nick Zergi, Nathan Elliott, Michael, uh, Matthew Cutler, Bill Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Cherlock, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Decker, Sebastiani, Bradley Killens, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Cal Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. And Clay, we're done. Edgar Wright, what's your final wrap-up sentence for Edgar Wright? If you, uh, unless you think it's the, you don't want him to be um, Guy Ritchie, if that's your yeah. final sentence. I feel like that's some, I think he's probably better than Guy Ritchie. Um, ultimately, but, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'll be really interested to see what he does next. Yeah. 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 Same. And, um, not a personal favorite, but it has been interesting and illuminating, I think is the best way to look at it when we do these best worst and then one in the middle to see how many of the directors have a style. Uh, Edgar Wright probably has the most, um, obvious style out of all the ones that we've done so far. And his movies were all probably the most consistent. It's not like, um, Ridley Scott, where they tried to do a comedy with <laughs> Russell Crowe, and it's just like, what the fuck is this that they've decided to do? Um, mm-hmm. So it's maybe the, the highs and the lows aren't as far apart, but they are consistent uh, instead. But that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no. I'm All right. Good. We're done. We'll be back with a female um, actor. Uh, there'll be a next one. Vote on Patreon.com for that one. I'll put up the list real soon. Thank you very much. Check out the Star Trek podcast. Check out Badass. Check out all the other stuff that's on the channel. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye.